is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Mets fans. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. As always, there's Chris, and uh, it's a weird day. It's a weird day to be a Mets fan. As everyone listening to this undoubtedly knows, the Mets and Carlos Beltran um, mutually agreed to part company. Depending how you read that, he was asked to step down or he chose to on his own. We don't really know. Um, But, you know, he was manager for just a couple of months, never suited up in uniform for as much as a practice, let alone a game. Uh, this is all stemming from the Astros sign-stealing scandal, which, again, unless you're living under a rock, you're aware of. And, you know, Chris and I, we actually, Chris and I went up at the same Broadway show last night, kind of a funny story. We were talking about this last night, and we, I think we both kind of feel like this is just a situation that, for once, the Mets did not really do anything wrong in, and yet the Mets are bearing the brunt of the, uh, of sort of the repercussions of it, as well as other teams, not just the Mets, but, you know, the Mets, well, before we get into all that, Chris, how bummed are you today that we're not going to have Carlos Beltran managing the team? I'm pretty bummed. I think anybody who's read the site for the last decade, uh, or listened to the show, or had... I don't know, run into me at a game once when Beltran was on the team uh, is aware of 
how I felt about him. Um, mostly how I still feel about him. Uh, you know, maybe that's being blinded by fandom. <clears throat> and uh, I know I wasn't totally outraged about his involvement as a player and what the Astros did. Um, but yeah, right now it's just, it, it sucks. I think regardless of how you reacted to uh, the news that he was named in the report, um, it just sucks. I, I, and I, one of the worst things about it, I think, is that overall the reaction to him being hired as manager seemed to be pre- pretty positive. Yes. You know, even people who maybe didn't quite appreciate him, I think once he uh, had another several years as a very productive player in the majors, they went like, oh, hmm, yeah, he was pretty good, you know? Um, it, it was a feel-good story, and it seemed like a logical hire of a guy who knows the game well. Um, so, yeah, it it sucks. Yeah, I, I, I've said this a few times uh, on the show, opening day or the home opener, depending on, you know, what whichever it is each year. I go sometimes, I don't go sometimes. Um, this one I was probably going to go to just to wear my Beltron jersey. You know, when he when he put that on at the press conference earlier this winter and it's number 15 and it's him and, hey, you know, like this, this is good. Uh, things ended on bad terms between him and the team. Uh, and here he is, he's back. He's, he's wearing his old number. Um, there's no stupid drop shadows on the jersey anymore. It's just a nice, <laughs> crisp Mets uniform. This is feeling good. And, and like, I guess one of the things reacting to the story of the Astros and the, and the news of this in particular, of, you know, stepping down, as they phrased it, um, it was just that, that taking that feel-good story away and I don't know. It, it there was just this nice feeling of, hey, he he knew what he was doing as a player. Uh, other players on the Astros spoke highly of him. Maybe we can frame that in a different way now. But you know, I, I it, it sucks because sports are supposed to be that. Sports are supposed to be a nice distraction. And and when you mature as a fan, you realize that you still want those championships, but you realize that, you know, your team can't win every year. Uh, even when your team's really good, the odds of them winning a championship are not that great. Um, but it, it's a positive thing. Uh, and it's not just a distraction, especially not for anybody who's involved on the level that, that we are as fans and, you know, the readers of the site are and listeners of the podcast are. Um, but, it just it, it sucks to have <clears throat> that part of it taken away uh, for something that happened strictly related to baseball. Yes, you know if if it came out that Carlos Beltran had some had done something terrible off the field that warranted uh, suspension or or a firing or a, a stepping down, that that could totally alter your judgment of of the person. And I know for a lot of people. The, the the person is just the the athlete or the coach or the you know it, it's just what they are 
in uniform. It's not the complete picture. So it's not that. Oh man, can I quote Tom Glavin at a time like this? Is that too much? Uh, it might be, but you can. I'll allow it this one time. I'll say I'm not devastated. <laughs> um, you know, if it turned out Carlos Beltran was, uh, you know, fraudulent about his excellent charity work, uh, and the, the, I'm throwing out like a crazy scenario here. Right. We know he's done great work, and we know he's not. But if it turned out that like he he got arrested for like embezzling money from his charity that would really jar how, you know, like my whole perception of, of who he is as a person. Um, even if he was, and we don't know based on MLB's report, but even if he was the guy who sort of came up with this whole thing for the Astros, which would be the, like the worst offense he could have as the player is why don't we do this? And then having management implement it. Um, that's still sure there's the ethics of the competitive nature of the sport and, and all that, but that is still just trying to win baseball games. You know, that there's, there's a big difference between something that's unethical that doesn't involve the game and, and something that, that does. And, you know, when people are doing things like bringing up Pete Rose or, uh, you know, the Black Sox scandal, that kind of thing. I'm not saying don't criticize these guys, but at least they were just trying to win, you know. I mean, Pete Rose wasn't trying to win. The Black Sox weren't trying to win. It's a very different situation. And I've been right. sort of annoyed at the comparison of that because to me it's the exact opposite. That was guys who were putting money ahead of the game. And I think you can look at Beltran over the course of his career and never really, never really say that about him. If, if that sort of, you know, uh, sanctimonious, the game is so important stuff matters to you, which for some, some people it does. I don't mean to necessarily mock that, but maybe a little bit of mocking that. Um, but yeah, I don't. Um, it's funny the the biggest feeling I have about this, and I've thought a lot about this over the last week, but especially. Once everything sort of came down from Major League Baseball and we thought, okay, maybe this is going to be a problem for the Mets, I've really been thinking about this. And Beltron seems like a legitimately good dude. And I think that for a legitimately good dude to be involved in something like this means one of two things. It either means that... um that winning was so important to him that he was willing to do whatever it took to win, regardless of the morality, which I think there's a there's a possibility that's true. Or what I think is a stronger possibility is that this stuff is way more common than we realize. And that this didn't seem like a huge deal to the players and the Astros at the time because this type of stuff happens regularly. And I mean, we know this stuff happens to a certain degree. You know, Bobby Valentine said when he was managing the Mets, they were using cameras to try and steal signs. Like these things happen all the time. And I bet every team in the majors at some point over the last decade has done something similar. Maybe not to the technological degree that the Astros took it, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that every team tries to get an advantage over their opponents however they can. Sometimes that happens in um in ways that we have deemed acceptable, and sometimes that happens in ways that we have deemed unacceptable. 
and I really truly think that if this was as if this was as scandalous as all the people clutching their pearls make you believe that it is, then I don't believe veterans like Beltron who made tens of millions of dollars playing this game I don't think that they would have been a part of it if it was as scandalizing as we're making it out to be. I really and truly believe this stuff happens all the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you there. And, you know, it's... Uh, <clears throat> uh, I had a decent follow-up to part of that. Where'd it go? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, you're making a good point. I just... Um, the... The idea that, um, you know, that it's it's there <clears throat> as much as the game has modernized, it's still sort of there to to be tempting. Um, and it doesn't. I'm not saying it makes it competitively right, <clears throat> but catchers are still relaying signs to pitchers by putting down a number between their legs. Uh, for every pitch you know what it however they want to sequence it or whatever but that it still comes down to that and i don't know i don't know if there's a technological solution that that would work that the catcher and pitcher could communicate that kind of thing a little bit uh more uh modern (laughs) right i'd say but uh but yeah um the other follow up hopefully will come back to me. I don't I don't that wasn't it. That <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I didn't find it there. But uh That's all right. But yeah. Uh, Go and, ahead. Sorry. That's all right. Uh the other thing I wanted to say about this is you know, I and we had written we had published a thing on the site today that had um yesterday by the time you guys are hearing this that was uh four, five of us counting myself had written up little things about sort of our feelings in this situation. And one of the things that I had written about was that it's not great when you realize that everybody that you've rooted for has probably cheated at the game and maybe not cheated to this level, but certainly cheated the way I worded it was they've done things that I would encourage my children not to do when they play sports. And I think that we, and maybe this is just my naivete or whatever, but I just feel like, you know, you grow up thinking that somebody is is making the right decisions and doing the right thing, and as you get older, you realize that that is that's a, a gray area, and then that's fuzzy, and there's not always a clear answer to this. You know, and I think that this is just a bit more nuanced than we're used to having conversations about baseball being in terms of what's what's morally acceptable or not acceptable. Um, I really do hope that this is not the end of Beltron as a manager. I don't think it is. I'll even say, I don't know if this is the end of Beltron as the Mets manager. I think it has to be for this next year, maybe two or three years. But I hope that this is not the end of his story as a baseball player, as 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 a person involved with baseball. Um. And I don't think it will be. I, I think that more or less everybody who lost their job over this will get another job in baseball. Do you agree with that? 
I think I think everybody except maybe Lunhow, <clears throat> just because it's been well documented how much he rubbed everybody in the league the wrong way. Sure. Okay. And as the GM, you know, you are ultimately in charge uh, and re- of and responsible for everybody who's doing baseball stuff yeah. in an organization. So um, I could see him being gone from the game. I could, and, you know, I'd be surprised if Cora and Hinch uh, and Beltron were, you know, sort of outcast for even nearly as long as like Barry Bonds was. Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think two years and, and these guys are working in baseball again. Yeah. And I mean, look, Barry Bonds, uh, was able to come back in a coaching official capacity. You know, he's not managing a team or anything, but this was like public enemy number one in the previous scandal that baseball dealt with, right? Yeah. You know, and he and A-Rod both, uh, A-Rod to a greater extent because he's just been much more prominent in his sort of return to the game and he wasn't even away for that long in the the first place. But I think unless you are on that Pete Rose level, I think there's a path back for you. and you know this is like totally just the baseball part of things not somebody like Jose Reyes you know um it's funny i have a coworker who who's a Mets fan who was you know livid over the whole like integrity concept with the Mets that that was thrown out there mike puma had tweeted that no integrity is a big word with the will ponds and you know <sighs> That's what it could come down to with Beltron, and everybody's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Integrity. Um, so he he was livid about that, uh, and, and you know he made the point that they brought Reyes back, um, among other things. Um, you know the whole Madoff scandal, and and then the years and years of sort of payroll manipulation, and and uh, is it Howard Megdal? Who's always called it like a shell game? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So that all of that, you know, there, there's a long history of integrity not exactly being the, uh, I don't know, the the primary motivation of how the Mets are run. <laughs> yeah, um, I would agree with that. So, yeah, but man, it just sucks. I I I, I think you're. I, it would not shock me if Beltran gets his shot at managing with the Mets after some time has passed. Um, and, you know, I think today on Twitter was just I, I, like we've all clearly established that overall Twitter is terrible for us and <laughs> for society, I think, based on a number of things. But. <laughs> But I don't know. I People, because of tweets from an account claiming to be Carlos Beltran's niece that the Beltran family told Jessica Men... Uh, no. Oh, Jesus. That was a mistake. Uh, Marley Rivera. Jessica Mendoza also 
played a role in today's circus. Uh, but Marla Rivera at ESPN had, had tweeted that the Beltran family said this isn't somebody who's related to them at all. Uh, you know, but this account had tweeted things before they happened a couple of times regarding Beltron getting the managerial gig and then stepping down. And I think it's been the source now of like other accusations against specific players and, and people are taking totally out of context screenshots uh, or press conferences or quotes and, and just building them into this narrative of, of, you know, of what they want. And no part of me thinks the Astros should get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, But I also think that if a player might have been wearing a microphone for an interview or like an earpiece and had it taped to him, that we should perhaps try to find out a little bit more about the context of it before we just look at a screenshot of a frame and say like, oh, yeah, that's that's a buzzer. Like, what is a actually a buzzer? Like, does anybody know what that looks like and how it looks when it's taped to somebody? And how it functions, you know, it like so it's just sort of turned this into this whole runaway thing. Uh, and then you have you have players, active players, tweeting either some very directly about things, some not so much, but you know, still kind of being aware of it, and in, in, in a way that they, um, I don't know, it feels it feels like we're sort of on the brink of players kind of collapsing on each other and maybe that's i I don't know that could be paranoia for me but if all of a sudden one or two more things come out that are true or people just buy into twitter hype and fake stuff becomes what people think and then players start coming out with more that that this could turn much uglier for the league than it already is well i think that the league I mean, I wonder, I don't want to get all conspiracy theory heavy here, right? But I think that maybe the reason that Beltron was the only player mentioned in the report was because he's retired since. And that he is no longer protected by the players' union. And that Major League Baseball did not want to fuck with the players' union. Because we know how contentious that relationship can be. And also we know that there's a new CBA coming relatively soon down the pike. And maybe this was just, all right, we know that a lot of bad stuff went down, but we're going to just focus on the player and the people who aren't active players anymore. Is that overly cynical of me to, to think that? No, no, I think that is, uh, I think that's rational, logical. Um, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not pulled from a, completely unverified Twitter account and some screenshots like it, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> I guess the only other thing would be, has anybody else from that roster retired officially? I don't know, but I also don't know. Like there's a, to me, there's a big difference between so-and-so announcing their retirement and somebody accepting a position as a manager elsewhere. That mm. manager is not going to revoke his retirement. Right. The same way that you think a, uh, you know, a uh, a newly retired player might, you know, might come back and say, you know, no, I'm, uh, you know, 
Not that that happens all that often, but I, I just think that there's a certain safety in going after these guys that isn't there for going after somebody else who's recently retired. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And also, you know, if, if again, if you want to, if you want to put the tinfoil hat on, I think in some ways the idea that all four of these guys that are that lost their jobs are people who, if you follow baseball with any sort of um seriousness these are these are household names and so you're you know you're you're suspending or firing for people who are going to make an are going to are going to teach a lesson by their firing right if it was random relief pitcher who maybe had some role in this I don't know if that makes the same level of of statement that firing, you know, basically two incredibly successful young managers, a Hall of Fame caliber player whose Hall of Fame candidacy may now be in question because of this, which is crazy. But, you know, that's how the Hall of Fame voters work. Um, you know, I think firing those guys just allows the league to both look like it's taken this seriously and also avoid tangoing with the players association. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I, I get that certainly in the short term too. Um, if we got, want to get philosophical about it, I wonder who's harmed the integrity of the game more over the last five to 10 years. Uh, the Astros management and Beltron and any other players who are involved in this or all the owners. Uh, and, and to be fair, the Astros owners kind of started all this a long time ago now. Uh, but all the owners who actively try not to win. Yep. That is a, to me, I think that is at least on the same level of messing with the competitive integrity of the game. Uh, and it has gotten talked about more, but it doesn't get talked about with the same indignation uh, as we've seen over the last 24 to 48 hours with Beltron in particular, since, you know, since we've been focused on him. I'm, I'm sure there was plenty of it in Boston for Cora before that news was, you know, official. Right. I wonder if, I mean, it's such a different situation. Like, you know, the Red Sox, I mean, you and I remember a time when the Red Sox hadn't won a World Series in a very long time. That ship has sailed, even though Boston fans never let you fucking forget they went over 100 years without winning a World Series. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, I, I wonder if people in Boston feel like, you know, as much as it is a bummer about Cora, he won them a World Series. And so his his place in Boston lore is set. And I wonder how Mets fans would feel about this if this came out the year after the Mets won the World Series. With Beltran as their manager. Mm, 
Yeah, that's a complicated one. I do feel like there's some uh, commonality between the two fan bases where, you know, like, of course, another bad thing happened to us. Right. Like, I feel like we'd have some of that. I mean, that we're, we were experiencing that already today. Um, but, yeah, I feel like at times Mets fans might struggle to enjoy things they legitimately should. <laughs> sure. So having something like that happen would, I'm sure, in the minds of some uh, sort of erase any of that euphoria. But I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed like popular opinion among fans before today leaned toward stand by him, keep him, you know, stick with the fact that the league didn't punish him and say that his role in that was one that wasn't, uh, didn't warrant a suspension from Major League Baseball. You know, obviously you would, you would want to say that you have no intention of doing anything like the Astros did uh, and, and expect that that will not happen on his watch as manager of the Mets. And then just kind of let the season go along and see how it goes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not where we are. No. And, and, you know, I do, I do recognize that anytime the Mets got on a real hot offensive streak, somebody was going to bring this up. Yeah. I, I guess the only, the best part about a shitty situation from a personal perspective is that it would have been really annoying to hear that all year. Yes. Of course, the opposite is going to happen. We, we know the next, when the Mets go into an offensive slump, we're going to hear like, Oh, maybe they should have stuck with Beltron and stolen signs. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Damned if you do, damned if you don't. But that, that is the life of a Mets fan. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So um, any other Beltron-specific thoughts before we get into the next manager situation? Um, no. No, it just sucks. It does. It does. And... Uh... Well, okay, okay. I guess I have one thing to talk about before we talk about the next manager. Do you think that there's a small part of the Wilpons that are breathing a sigh of relief right now because this is the ultimate excuse for when this season goes poorly? <laughs> it certainly takes attention off them. I mean, they can say, look, we made we made coaching decisions and even some player acquisition decisions based on Carlos Beltran's involvement and, you know, whoever is managing this team is managing somebody else's team. And so, you know, it's not our fault that things didn't go well. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's no uh, attention being paid to the fact that they sat out all of the elite free agents on the market. Um, haven't done anything since the Batances signing to help the major league roster. And I guess you could argue that it, it's full, but uh, it, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> you can always get better players and then figure out what to do with guys who are either superfluous or injured. 
Yeah. Um, uh, just so yeah, so, some breaking news on the podcast right now. Uh, okay. The Nets will not pay Beltron his three million dollar salary, uh, but they will give two hundred thousand dollars to the Carlos Beltran Foundation. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Who reported that? Um, if I tell you, you won't, you won't be happy. Someone's gonna leave it alone. <laughs> what, Martino? No, it's uh, Mayor. Ah, okay. Well, you know. <laughs> um, if I spent my entire day tweeting about the Mets, I'd probably come across some things. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think that this becomes a pretty easy scapegoat to 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 invoke if if you need to this season now. And that's a bummer. That that sucks because it's it's not calling to task what the Wilpons didn't do over the offseason, which I think we'll talk we have a few more weeks to talk about uh stuff for the offseason. This is going to be a, a pretty Beltron heavy show, manager heavy show, but I think that there is um there is just this sense now where, and this is a much different example, but like, you know, um, <laughs> there was that rumor going around in the nineties that if your roommate died when you were in college, you would get, you would get straight A's that semester. Did you hear that rumor? Uh, I remember that being a cultural thing. Yes. yes. So like, this is essentially that, right? <laughs> that, Hey, you know, uh, the manager got fired before the season even started. So anything that you do, is qualified by that. Um, which yeah. sucks. This whole thing just sucks. There's, there's no other word I have for it. Uh, it's a real bummer. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's talk about what's, what's maybe next for the Mets. So this is a weird situation because while there are three teams now in need of managers, it seems like most of the people who are probably gunning for managerial jobs, if they didn't already get one, have made other plans for the year. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe everybody who was interviewed and didn't get a job is sitting at home twiddling their thumbs, you know, playing Candy Crush or whatever. But it seems to me like this is an odd time to do a managerial search. And with spring training starting in less than a month, it is it's a it's a hard time to. I mean, anybody you're hiring, you're pretty much saying, "Listen, this is our coaching staff. You have to, you have to use them." And getting somebody caught up on, you know, all that needs to be caught up on, it's going to be a tough job getting somebody ready. So, I guess my first question is: Would you advocate for somebody within the organization to take the role because of the difference in, uh, because of the the different time frame here, versus hiring somebody in November, you know, or do you think that the Mets should still be expanding their their search beyond just the organization at this point? Um, I wouldn't have a strong preference for internal, although I think it makes a lot of sense if they do decide to take somebody, whether it's Henry Mullins or um, <clears throat> Luis Rojas, uh, from their coaching staff that was going to work with Beltron. Um if only because you you'd assume that those guys have spent the last several weeks <clears throat> uh, or, or or two months even really at this point 
studying, preparing, you know, really going all in on, Hey, I work for the Mets now. Um, so it's, it, it's definitely a weird spot for an external candidate, but I don't think it would be a deal breaker. It's still one of 30 jobs, uh, that, that are very hard to get. So yeah, I don't know. I, I guess my, my guess would be that it would be somebody internal, even if they're a new face and Rojas is not, uh, Mullins is, but you know, somebody who is employed by the organization um, seems more likely. But if it is Eduardo Perez or somebody else, um, I don't know. I think a, a good manager could lean on his coaching staff. Uh, and I think there's still enough time to get acquainted because I don't really know what a manager can't learn about these guys um, before they start interacting as, you know, members of the same organization in a clubhouse uh, when they report to spring training. Yeah. Uh, and as much information as there is out there, um, I feel like baseball is probably the easiest game for somebody who's a professional in that capacity to look at stats and look at video uh, and and have a good sense of what they have in a guy. You know, I could see where uh, another sport like football, um, you know, the roster is double the size. There are, you know, there's just a lot more people on the field at all times. You know, I could, I could see that being something that takes a longer time to catch up on. Um, but whether or not somebody's a good manager, I think it will come down mostly to how they communicate in the clubhouse and, uh, you know, what their in-game strategy is. So it, it'll feel rushed. And that, that next person... Uh, one nice thing about it in all three cases is that that manager is going to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I was, you know, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Should be somebody's <laughs> slogan. Uh, uh, so, yeah. I, what about you? Any any strong preference on the three names that are out there? Because, you know, either they're. They just seem like the logical candidates, um, sure, or sure. or anybody else. So the I, the, uh, the the older superstars like Dusty Baker and Shell Walter. I mean, I, I Eduardo Perez was a name that always kind of intrigued me uh, when the process was happening, and I think that I think I think it would be a good look for the Mets to hire somebody who. Um, who comes from a, just a baseball background, but a relatively recent one. You know, Perez has done uh, broadcast work. You know, he's worked for clubs. He has a lot of experience. And I think that he would, because he has a lot of experience, he would be able to roll into that job easier than a than somebody. Like, I mean, honestly, than Beltron, who has never worked 
you know, who, who was a player and then a special assistant and then a manager. I think I think Perez would be able to bring in, uh, bring his experience in and help him get prepared faster. So from that perspective, I think Perez is a good pick. Um, I think that I don't know enough about the other names mentioned as baseball people to to have much of an idea. You know, the one thing I will say is that you know, if they were already a part of Beltron's um, coaching staff, they have the benefit and the disadvantage of being linked to the way he was going to run the team. And so on one hand, I could say, okay, well, if you're planning on just keeping things, you know, if, if the plans were started to run things a certain way, and you know what that plan is. It might be easier to just execute that plan than to try and come in and make a new plan up. So that's why the internal options make the most sense to me, just because you can almost not change the strategy. Whereas if there's something that Perez or anybody really believes in and wanted to implement on the team, but the team isn't prepared for that for whatever reason, whether it's a, a philosophical difference or just a, you know, or whatever. I don't have a I don't have a good example on top of my head. I just think it'll be easier to follow through with the plan that was already in place and start a new one. That said, if the conversation with Beltron was, listen, we're gonna bring somebody in for a year and we're gonna hire you and we're gonna hire you in October next year, then you don't go out and hire somebody new. And I don't think the conversation was maybe that explicit, but if everybody was winking and saying, Look, you know, you'll be back then maybe you don't go out and spend money on a big new manager. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, I do think that, like you said, whoever it is will get the benefit of the doubt. But I also think that... I think that's that is also more to the Wilpon's benefit than anybody else's. Um, because I, I think that there's more value in claiming the handicap of the new manager than there is on the manager getting the benefit of the doubt from fans. Yeah. I don't know. This just sucks, man. <laughs> thank goodness it's at least not happening during a season yeah or imagine if like if they had a great spring training and this happened at the end of spring training yeah um <laughs> damn uh, last yeah. last beltron related question from me i briefly hinted at this before do you think that this is going to hurt his eventual Hall of Fame chances? Um, hurt, yes, but I think he still gets in. Do you think he gets in first or second ballot, or is he? They're going to make him. They're going to make him wait now. Yeah, maybe three or four, something like that. I don't. I don't see him having to like hold on and hope he gets in on on the tenth year or whatever. Um, but you know, it's, I, I think he still gets in. It's at the very least the tail end of his career when he was not himself 
you know, at, at his peak. Um, you know, whether or not, I don't know. It, baseball writers love a good saga, and I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that'll be even more pessimistic of an outlook. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Time changes things. Somebody else in baseball will do something incredibly stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. So, yeah, I, I I think he gets in not immediately. I don't know if he would have gotten in on the first ballot without this. I don't think he would have. Just because people are weird about stuff, even though to me, to me, it's like a slam dunk candidate. I, I you know, um, at least before all of this news. Um, but I, I, yeah, I keep saying the same thing over, but I think he'll get in. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, you just think about guys that had Hall of Fame careers before the stink of steroids got on them, and we've seen how those people have been more or less just rejected uh, from the Hall of Fame. And all of that is conjecture. All of that is we think this person was using steroids, whereas this is something that we can point to more clearly and is just as much of an integrity of the game type thing. Um, I think it'll hurt him more than that. I hope he still gets in. But I don't think he was ever a slam dunk to begin with. I mean, I, I personally think he's a Hall of Fame player. I don't think people look at him that way. For whatever reason. For whatever stupid, stupid reason. <laughs> with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, I guess... This feels like a weird thing to be talking about right now, but we haven't talked about it yet on the show, and that's that the Mets signed Dylan Batances right before. I believe it was Christmas Eve they signed him to a deal. It's a one-year deal worth about $10 million. It's it's structured weirdly. There's a signing bonus. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I'm so exhausted by this Beltron bullshit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's a signing bonus, and then there's a player option for the following season, and I believe a vesting option for a third season. Now, we know Batances was not healthy last year. We know that when he is healthy, he is an elite, and I mean top-of-the-line elite reliever. How do you feel about this move? I like it a lot. I, You know, it's... If you're going to roll the dice on somebody that's what you want to roll on is somebody who, you know, has that level of talent and has that track record of performance at the major league level. Um, it is a weirdly structured contract in the sense that if he, if he's healthy and bad, it doesn't work out well for the team, but it's not like it's, it's not like it would be so bad that even the Mets could really say that it was crippling them, you know? (laughs) Um, 
So, yeah, I, I like it because of what he is capable of and the fact that um, healthy and bad is the only way this could maybe be a bit of a mess. Um, and even that, it, I think, is relatively mitigated by the by the money involved. Right. It's just not that much. It's I mean, it's it's less than on an annual basis. It's, if it played out that way, you'd be paying less than you paid Rick Porcello for this year. Exactly. And not only that, because he does have a track record, I think that even so last year he barely pitched. I think if he had a bad season and you were looking at him as a free agent next if he just shits the bed this season and he was a free agent next season, I think a lot of teams would say, Well, he had one bad season, but look at what he's done beforehand. He he would right. still get he would still probably get the same or a better contract even if he had a bad twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, I know. In a relief pitcher, uh, just by the nature of um, even in a, a healthy, fully active season, not pitching that many innings, I think we'll get that benefit of the doubt for longer. Um, you know, this isn't year one or uh, hypothetically, it wouldn't be year one or two of Matt Harvey going down the tubes. Right. He still isn't signed anywhere, right? I don't believe so. Yeah, I wonder if he'll pitch again, like as a major league player. That's an excellent question. Yeah, do we want to talk about like the Mets letting Edgardo Alfonso go too? Um, anything ha- bad happen to anybody's like adorable puppy uh, <laughs> on the team? Like, let's uh, talk about all the bummers. <laughs> yeah, but sorry to derail. But yeah, no, I, I think I think you you're making a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think it's a really good move. I think it's a really, really good move. I think that, I mean, we had said a number of times that if if Edwin Diaz and Jairis Familia had okay seasons, the Mets might have made the playoffs this year. Yeah. And so let's let's not hope for them to be all-stars again. Let's just say if Diaz and Familia have okay seasons this season, and Batantis has an okay season this season. With Lugo and Wilson and Gazelman and Brock, I think you have a I think you have a bullpen. I would not be shocked if that bullpen was the best in the East, if it was middle of the pack, or if it was last in the East. Yeah. I really don't know what to expect. But I think the upside of that bullpen is the best bullpen in the National League East. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um but hey, wouldn't it be nice to have that for once? Yeah, I know there were like one or two years that the Mets actually had a pretty good bullpen mixed into the decade that just ended. But for most of it, they had like not just a bad bullpen, like one of the worst bullpens in the entire sport for like eighty percent of the decade. That's that's bad. Yes, it is. Um, and and I know in- intellectually, I know you're right about that. But I cannot remember a good Mets bullpen. I know it was there. It has been blocked from my memory. Yeah, it was like it was weird. I think the bullpen was pretty good in 2015, which contributed to the run to the World Series. Yes. yes. Um, and then there was like there. I think there was one random year when the team was awful, but the bullpen had like 
a top five or seven ERA in baseball, you know. Was that um, the Latroy Hawkins year? It might have been. I wish he pitched like, as, you know, because he, he was still good. Uh, not that he retired after the year he spent with the Mets, but um, he still put up pretty decent numbers in his 40s and would have been fun to see him stick around a little bit longer. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, his year with the Mets was 2013. Like that's in the ballpark of the years I'm thinking of. You know, horrible team, but halfway decent bullpen. Let's see. Trust the old fan graphs. While you're looking that up, I, I will just say this, that I would feel better if the Mets had signed another reliever as well. Uh, aside, oh, yeah. Aside from Batantis and Brock. But I think that I, – I, and, you know, I mean, theoretically, Michael Waka could be in the bullpen or Stephen Matz could be in the bullpen. I, I really don't know what the Mets' plan is with that. Um, but there's a uh, – you know, there's a decent chance – that the Mets bullpen surprises us. And if the bullpen surprises us, I think this team is going to be better than expected. Yeah. Yeah, no, that um, it was such an issue last year. Uh, you know, you don't have to say everybody else on the team is going to have the best year of their career um, to make that leap to, you know, legitimate playoff team. Uh, you, were, you were pretty damn close with your guess on the – Irrelevant Mets year. It was the year after Hawkins. Okay. So 2013. What, what was the pitch he taught everybody? It was the, the quick pitch, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was like the quick pitch guru. So yeah. like Hansel Robles and Juris Familia got into some, some shit because of his teachings. Yeah. So, so, maybe, so that's what, it, maybe that's what I'm thinking of, that it was the Hawkins effect the year later. Yes. Uh, so the, the of all the bullpens in the whole decade, the – 2014 Mets were they uh, have <clears throat> so out of 300 30 teams 10 seasons uh-huh. the 2014 Mets had the 30th best ERA <laughs> of all the bullpens in that decade like wow. how fucking random is that <laughs> wow and then I, I let me see where 2015 is while you do that I'm gonna 70, look up. 79th, which is still good, you know? Yeah. That was a solid pen. Um, okay, I am but, I am going to be – I'm going to read off to you some of the pitchers who were in that that bullpen. All right. Let's see. All right. We got Vic Black. Oh, yeah. Buddy Carlisle. <laughs> uh, let's see. Josh Edgen. Mm. Dana Eveland, uh, Jerry Familia, obviously. Kyle Farnsworth, yeah. forgot he was a Met. Oh, yeah, totally was. Uh, Eric Goodell. Yeah. Was uh, Gonzalez in the pen that year? Uh, yes, he was. Gonzalez Herman. Nice. <laughs> John Lannon. Yeah. Holy shit. Forgot. So I guess it's worth reminding everybody that Familia was like absolutely awesome at yes, that point. Yes. But but still, like 
Uh, he might have made some relief appearances, but uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka was a Met that year. There you go. Rafael Montero. Bobby Parnell. Oh, yeah. Remember somebody in his family got really offended when somebody did like a Bobby Parsmell headline for like Mets Morning News? <laughs> no. No, I don't think I was writing for the site then. That's, oh, yeah. That's funny, it would, though. It was like, it was such an offhand. It was either Green Man, it was before Rich's yeah. time, but it was somebody who had just like a good sarcastic sense of humor and like somebody in Parnell's family just not getting the context of Mets Morning News being 365 days a year. And like, you just have to have some fun with it. Yeah. You know, and, and not being able to take the joke. So, um, yeah. Okay, so, so there, there are two more relief pitchers I got to talk to you about. I did not remember either of these guys were Mets. The first one, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Second one, no memory of. First one is Scott Rice. Okay. He was tall. Yes. I remember that. Wasn't he also like the guy who was in the minors forever? He might have been. And then here's one that uh, it was his last it was his last appearance in the majors. He only made twenty one appearances for the Mets. But here's a guy who has two hundred and eighty eight career saves. And that is Jose Valverde. Oh yeah. That was that year? That was that year, yeah. I cannot remember a pitch he threw for the team. Neither I remember I. <laughs> I remember him becoming a Met. Sure. Yeah. I cannot picture him in a Mets uniform no, no. doing anything at all. <laughs> no. All right, so he was he was signed by the Mets in spring training. He was released in May. The following January, he was signed by the Padres and released in April. And then signed to, signed to the Nationals later that season and was released without playing in the majors. Mm. So, yeah, his last major league pitch was thrown as a Met. How about that? Yeah. Man, th- th- this list of players is just a walk down memory lane. Chris Young, Eric Young Jr., Carlos, I forgot Carlos Torres. How could I forget Carlos Torres? Um, mm, yes. Taylor. He likes some of my posts on Instagram occasionally. I don't oh, really? know how. <laughs> yeah, well, um, there there were two. I don't remember what the other one was, but one was the Mets playing at Coors Field in the fall. Okay. Uh, so that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe he follows a hashtag related to either the Mets or the Rockies. He played for both teams. But he doesn't follow you? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Instagram's a little weird with telling you whether or not somebody does, but I, I don't think he follows me. I think it's just he stumbled upon a, a you know, a photo of the Mets at Coors Field kind of thing. Sure. Um, All right, so I, I'm just going to name a couple more names, not bullpen related, <laughs> uh, just because this team is a fucking mind freak. I can't get over. Oh, I, I forgot to mention uh, Dario Alvarez also was in the bullpen that year. Yeah. Is Saipa still angry about that? <laughs> Probably. Um, okay, so just just some just some weird, hey, remember these guys? Um, it's also weird. Like, this is a year, a very transitional year. Like, Dylan G was still in Met in 2014. Oh, he sure was. Which doesn't, that doesn't line up to me that Dylan G and Curtis Granderson were teammates, but they were, you know, so that's. That's weird. Um, we got Taylor Teagarden, very briefly a Met. Mm. Um, this was the, this was the Bobby Abreu year. 
Um, That's right. Andrew Brown, who I was a big proponent of. I really oh, believed man. in Andrew Brown. <laughs> yes. Um, this was the last Ike Davis year. Uh, also, Matt Dendecker was a Met. Uh, Upper Decker. Upper Decker. Is his Twitter handle? Yes, not, it is. Not just my bad joke. No, no. And uh, yeah, Omar Quintanilla, Kirk Newenice. I feel like Quintanilla is the ultimate um, like hipster Met fan choice. Yeah. Uh, you know, for like un- unheralded players, obviously we have a whole show about that, a yes. whole podcast about that. Uh, but I feel like he's like near the top. Omir Santos yes. and Omar Quintanilla. All right. I have one more player. And again, 2014, I-, I didn't even have a new baby in the house to blame on this. Somehow, Wilfredo Tovar was a Met for part of two seasons. Yeah. Again, I know that happened, and then he didn't play in the majors again until 2019. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life comes at you fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's projected to hit uh, 235 this year. <laughs> Man. Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that 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 was a slightly less depressing way to 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 wrap up the baseball portion of the show. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet. I have one ready. If you don't, do you have a music pick ready? Oh crap! Uh, you start. I'll see if I can come up with something. Okay. So um, I forget how this happened, but last week I thought of a record I had not heard in minimum of 10 years it's an album i had bought when it came out in 2003 and i probably have not listened to it in it's been less less than 15 years but probably more than 10 years and it was a band that only really got any sort of mainstream attention a few years later because one of their songs was featured on one of the soundtracks for the oc remember that television show that had a hipster soundtrack Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Um, I never watched the show, but neither I did remember I. Remember it. But I remember I was. So I have a friend. He would never listen, but if he's listening, hi, John Bonacor, who is he? He's he's one of the nicest people I've ever known in my entire life. But he's not hip in the slightest, and his music taste, like, I believe the same day he played this OC soundtrack at a barbecue, he was going to see the band live that night, like the band live, not a band, like Lightning Crashes <laughs> live, right? Um, and he was playing, and I was like, why are you playing a fucking Beulah song? How do you know Beulah, this San Francisco indie rock band that broke up? He's like, oh, this is the OC soundtrack. And so that's the only time I had ever like encountered Beulah in the wild. But I have a cousin who has lived in San Francisco since, gosh, maybe 02 or 01, and she turned me on to Beulah many, many years ago. And so Beulah's final album is called Yoko, and it came out in 2003. And uh, the band is really, really good. I had I had not heard this album in forever. I put it on, and I instantly remembered every word. You know, one of those one of those really nice things to go back and sort of rediscover. Um, 
not like a groundbreaking sound. Just kind of a really, really good indie rock band. There's a couple of songs in this record. Uh, one is called Landslide Baby, and one is called Me and Jesus Don't Talk Anymore. Those are probably the two like standout songs on the album. But there's not a bad song on the album. It's really, really good. They have, I think it's four albums. Yeah, four albums. But they're also, they were they were around from 97 to 03 or 04. And that's the time that was in between the internet not existing and the internet being the internet that we know now. And so I'm sure there was a lot of an internet, I'm sure they had an internet presence that was pretty strong in 2002, but that internet is just not the internet anymore. And so there's very little information about this band out there. Like the lead singer released one solo record and he hasn't tweeted in like seven years or eight years. It's, it's impossible to find out what these guys are. I'm not impossible. I'm sure if I really dug, find out what these guys are up to now. But it's just this weird period of time where not everything was documented in a way that is still easy to seek out. So there's a bit of mystery about this band too. But uh, the album is fantastic. It's it's been played in my house nonstop since I discovered it again last week. And uh, yeah, Yoko by Beulah. Nice. I don't uh, have as much of a comprehensive <laughs> explanation for my one. That's fine. Now, but uh, <clears throat> the uh, the band Meat Bodies is a band that a few friends have recommended over the years. Yeah, I know Meat Bodies. I, I don't know if it was sparked by a conversation that we had, or I don't uh, think I, so. Something okay. So for whatever reason. I just went and listened to the record Alice, which is from 2017. Uh, and damn, it's catchy. Uh, it's really, really good. It's, you know, it's sort of tied in to Ty Siegel's world. Um, I had to look this up again because I forgot exactly what it was. But one of the dudes in it has been in Michael Cronin's band. At a certain point, Michael Cronin is in Ty Siegel's touring band and, and has done work with him in the studio as well. Um you know, so sort of this like family tree of Ty Siegel things. Um, I, I think to be fair, every it's kind of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. If you're yeah. a, if you're a working musician, you have some sort of tie to Ty Siegel. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's a good pun too. Probably, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, just like a really good catchy psych record um, that I now fully appreciate. So. I have not heard the second one. I really liked the first one. And just, you know, one of those bands that fell off my radar for whatever reason. Yeah, there's a song on this called Scavenger that I actually, like, repeated the last time I listened to this. Oh, wow. You know, a, a couple times, which, not that that's totally unheard of, but it was just like, damn, that's catchy. Let's do it again. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there you go. Pulled a pulled an album recommendation out of uh, not planning at all, but I it, it is it's it's accurate. I've been listening to it recently. So, well, you know, this weekend you're going to be at Wilco's Sky Blue Sky Festival, so you might find a new band to recommend for next time. Yeah, yeah. There's not as many uh, like new new bands to like the world, but there are a couple things going on that aren't that familiar to me that it, that maybe you know will shed some light on on that. So. I would love that to come back with new album recommendations. Yeah. L let's hope that you get 
at least one new record recommendation out of it. Yeah, uh, that'd be good. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, I don't know when we're going to be back with another episode. Um, you know, I guess if the Mets hire a new manager in the next couple of days, maybe you know Chris is going to be away. Maybe I'll try and do a bonus episode or something because I feel like we need to comment on that. But I don't know when that's going to happen. This whole thing is just so weird and it's so up in the air. I don't know what the plan is going to be. But <laughs> you know, we'll figure it out at some point, I guess. <laughs> And we'll see what happens from there. So um, feel free to go to AmazingAvenue.com where you can check out our news and analysis of this and all the other Mets nonsense that will be happening over the next few weeks before spring training starts. There'll probably be a slew of uh, non-roster invitees signed. It's always a fun game to see which of those guys will actually make an impact on the season. Uh, but when that stuff happens, you can always find it at Amazing Avenue. You can also find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can email us aaaudiopodcast at gmail.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And uh, let's let's all pour one out for the, the Carlos Beltran Mets manager situation that never was. And uh, until next time, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.